Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Looking to bet on the NFL this season? There's no better place to wager than betonline.ag. From spreads to totals to player props, you can bet on anything and everything NFL at betonline.ag this season. BetOnline is the official provider of all betting lines used on the TDN Fantasy Podcast and the DraftNetwork.com. Go to betonline.ag and start wagering on the NFL, college football, and so much more right now. TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy Podcast. Podcast. With your hosts, Paige DeMakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Paige DeMakos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, and we just... Wrapped up week eight on Sunday Night Football, a uh, a game happened. That's the way I'm going to say it. It was a game. Uh, I watched the entirety of the football game because, I don't know, I had some, something's wrong with me. And uh, we were really looking forward to watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday Night Football. That's pretty much my takeaway from Sunday night. Uh, but before we get into all of our headlines and everything like that, wanted to discuss with you guys just overarching theme coming out of Sunday night football, right? And that is we saw Carson Wentz, right? And we saw Jared Goff. Two guys came out of the same class, looked really bad. Both of them looked really bad. And longtime listener to the podcast, shout out to Kyle, who tweeted at us today, was asking us, what when are you guys gonna jump off the Carson Wentz train? I'll go right to Jake since Jake's been the conductor of the train. Uh, are you off the train, Jake? Because it's it's it was pretty ugly tonight, even in a victory. Apparently, I jumped off the train and I got my ass drugged by the train for a little <laughs> while because I paid attention. He was he was battling and he had two solid weeks, and I had him as like a, a great start this week as a player. Ten point six points, not great he looked god awful i have no arguments anymore like he battles he has all the tools in the world but he does some of the dumbest shit i've ever seen quarterbacks do and it's now fifth year it is just it's just bad i got no arguments i'm I'm, i mean like i'm gonna blow up the train tracks to make sure that i'm not getting drugged by the train because i am way way off the train It, it is awful i think the the thing that's really really you know kind of scary if you're an eagles fan is this this version of this team, right, at the back half of last season, I think why we were buying into Carson Wentz even more was because they had a really bad roster at the end of last year. And Carson Wentz was spectacular in spite of that roster, right? He took steps. He, he won them that division. And that's what really inspired us to go, okay, it doesn't matter because he proved it to us last year. This year, it's different. The mistakes he's making, the amount of time he's holding on to the football, it is a full-on regression we are seeing from Carson Wentz, and it is really tough to watch, quite frankly, Jake. So there's the, the best thing I heard of the entire offseason people thought was a joke, okay? If Carson Wentz was doing this stuff and we in year two, maybe even like year three, he's trying to make plays. Remember when Todd Bowles said that Tom Brady throws great incompletions <laughs> yes and everybody thought he was joking right we laughed he was dead ass serious mm-hmm. because when he misses he misses in places that can't hurt you he throws it away he knows when to dump it off to your mom in the stands he knows when to take a freaking sack and just take a sack and move on to the next player punt he this kid has no concept of that like that there's he's the opposite of Todd Bowles saying he throws great incompletions which was a phenomenal compliment 
if you're talking about the quarterback position. That is part of what makes you good. Know when to die. Just stop, right? Like, take a dead play and move on. He, he has no concept of that. He thinks he can make every play, and it bites him in the ass in every game. Sometimes he pulls off the miraculous, but more often than not, it is he's killing his team. There's a very fine line between gutty and reckless, and Wentz is so far away from the line, he can't even see it anymore. There's he almost the regression this year is just marked. It is astonishing how much he's regressed this year. He's always had these types of plays, but not in this quantity and not this, not with like this lack of balance. Like he would balance them out. He all he feels like a gunslinger in their like 12th season when they don't have the physical tools anymore where they're still trying to do the same thing. They're still trying to make the plays that they think they could make. And now all they're doing is making mistakes. And that's what you're seeing from Carson Wentz right now. They're just the volume of mistakes, the same mistakes week in week out. Like there's a point where you don't get credit for never dying on a play. If all you do is hurt your team in those scenarios. And that's where we've been all season. This isn't a one game thing. I can't, I don't understand how this is not, Either this is not being coached out of his game or he doesn't have the right person there that's in his ear or they're just he's just flat out not listening. I don't know what it is. I don't know, I don't know how you fix this. Uh, I, I'm not close enough to the team to know what the relationship is with him and, and his QB coach and what they discuss, obviously. But when you're seeing these same mistakes being made week after week after week after week, you have to question what is happening in the process that is leading up to these games because what's the definition of insanity? I'm watching it every time the, the Eagles play, win or lose. Yeah, it's 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 tough to watch uh, because I know we've seen the upside, right? We've seen what he can be. We've seen him be better than he is right now. And your 2016 draft class, you're coming into 2020, you're going, okay, these are mistakes that he no longer is afforded the opportunity to make, right? And that's the problem is that he's doing things that He's too, he's too experienced. He's too far along in his career to be doing things like this. And in the same fashion, you can say those things about Jared Goff, right? You saw very many of the exact same things that we saw. We've seen the upside. We've seen the good, but there it's a tale of two guys with both of these guys coming out of this draft class. And, and it's, it's tough to say if they're ever not going to be polarizing like I don't know if these guys are ever going to break through to a point where we're not going to see the bad I I think if I had to bet on one it would probably if all things were equal I think it would be Carson Wentz the problem for Carson Wentz is that roster is bad he doesn't have the weapons that they have in LA and their cap situation is atrocious so I, I I don't bet on that situation it's less about him it's more about the surrounding pieces and what I trust there. And that's where there's always been this argument between Goff and Wentz. And I think it has way less to do with them as individuals and way more to do with the situations that they're in. I love you guys to, I mean, feel free to disagree, but that's, that's kind of where I look at this. Cause I see this conversation happens all the time and there is nobody on that team in Philadelphia. That is Robert Woods and Cooper cup and all, I mean, they've got legitimate weapons in LA that that's non-existent in Philadelphia. So I, I think the, the situations are very, very different. I think the biggest difference, and I would not have said this until the last four or five games is McVay. Yeah. I don't know what's going on in Philly. It's, it is not being called. Well, it's not being schemed. Well, it's not being coached. Well, it ain't getting across. 
Sean McVay has coached his ass off. Jared Goff has fatal flaws that he can never get by. If you can stop the run and blitz him, you can light their asses up. Like mm-hmm. that's that's why they're leading the lead in a league in rushing because he's really good in play action when you can get him really deep and he has a bunch of time. He'll pick you apart when you do that kind of stuff. He has fatal flaws he can't overcome. Carson Wentz has a lot more tools. He just doesn't have that, what we were talking about. But I can't imagine Carson Wentz with Sean McVay. Yeah. I didn't think I'd say that until this year. But there is a vast difference in the coaching going on in Philly and the coaching going on with the Rams, in my opinion. No, I agree completely. Because right now, Jared Goff is – I know this phrase gets thrown around a lot. But in every sense of the word, Jared Goff is a system quarterback. Carson Wentz has no system. And and that's the situation (laughs) we're seeing right now. Where Jared Goff, you if you scheme things up for him and things work on the field as they do on paper, he will make the play. But if you need Jared Goff to work outside of that structure or to make a miraculous play or to go to third, fourth reads, it's not going to work. And, and we're seeing that on a consistent basis for several years now. When McVay can scheme things up, and he, by the way, he's done this for multiple years and has had to change his offense around. And he's had a lot of success with it. But the second that you ask Jared Goff to go outside of structure, he fails. It's just, it's been something that's been a problem with him ever since he got in the league. Where Carson Wentz is playing backyard football in every wrong sense of the word. It's not the backyard football we talk about with Russell Wilson. Because Russell Wilson has the skill set. He's playing backyard football because he's running for his life. He's not playing it because that's the only thing he knows. Wentz is playing with absolutely no structure. And yes, I know the weapons around him haven't been great the last calendar year they, they haven't but there are other quarterbacks that are having success with un, with not great weapons as well Carson Wentz is making a lot of mistakes on his own regardless of the talent around him so it, yeah. it just it, it's tough to see but bo- both these quarterbacks are flawed Goff's flaws I think we've known for a while now where they are and that's probably why we, we see the variance in his performance on a week-to-week basis is, is how the offense performs and as Jake said how effective they are in the running game or Carson Wentz is just erratic it's like, you know, he's got the talent to be highly productive. We've seen it. It's not a talent issue. It's a, he's just so erratic and reckless and has no awareness of risk. Like he has none. No. He not. plays every single game. Like he's up 21 points in the third quarter and just is, is stat padding. <laughs> like, and, and I just say that in the sense of like, he does, he'll, he takes terrible sacks. He'll throw, he'll throw 30, 70 balls when there's really no darn reason for him to throw a 30 70 ball in scenarios like he just has no sense of risk adverseness like he he is one of the riskiest quarterbacks on his throws you ever see for someone with that much talent you know it's not like a well he can't make he can't physically make the throw so he puts the ball in a bad spot he just makes poor decisions it's just it's really rough to see both these guys who had look one of them got a win and the eagles are probably end up winning the nfc east and they're going to probably get to play the bears or somebody winning but winning, I in put the postseason, in quotations because defaulting joke, maybe like, they'll play the Rams. Like who knows? Like it, but it, it, it's just one of those things where it's really tough watching both these quarterbacks play right now. It, it just, it, but with Wentz in particular, and I keep going back to this and we can get off this topic. It's just, it's, we're watching the same game from him every week. Yeah, every week. It feels like we sit here and watch him in prime time. He made the same mistakes a week ago. He made the same mistakes against San Francisco on prime time. Like it's every week. It's just deja vu over and over again. And I don't understand, like, where's the disconnect there? Is he not listening? Is he not being coached right? Is it a combination of both? I don't have the answer. I'm not going to pretend that I have the answer. I just know it doesn't make sense to me. Something is not lining up. 
he's like that that kid when we were all like at elementary school basketball, and he's got some like nice some nice handles, you know what I mean? And he comes in, he's like all flashy, you got the swag, and he makes like one three, and he's the ball hog on the team, and he shoots uh-huh. it like ninety seven oh times God. and doesn't make another three the rest of the game, <laughs> but because he made one, he's gonna keep lighting it up. I'm gonna oh, keep yeah. throwing it up, and I'm gonna hold it, and I'm gonna pose for a while. He's made some unbelievable plays, so he thinks he can make every single freaking play, and he continues to try to when there's no need to do it. It drives me crazy. The crazy, the crazier thing is the stat line that was going into this game, right? The Cowboys had one interception going into this game and they talked about how horrible this defense is and they are bad. It is a bad defense. And that Carson Wentz has had issues with his accuracy and holding on to the ball, two interceptions in this game against this Cowboys team. It's this is two more fumbles. And two fumbles, you know, this is not a game and, and a team and a matchup where you should be doing those things. Like it, it, there's no excuse for tonight. And I know they got a victory, but the fact that it was close and, and in doubt at moments with Ben DiNucci as the starting quarterback and this roster and this defense, no, it was, (laughs) it was, it was not very serious lack of Gucci. That oh, wasn't even close my. to knockoff Gucci. No, that wasn't even. I'm buying it at the at yeah, Chinese market. No, off a towel in Times Square. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Look, as bad as we're killing Wentz, they won and covered. Like that's yeah. how bad the Cowboys are. So like that's we'll just leave the Cowboys oh. analysis at that. You're yeah. you're not even the Eagles are not even knockoff. Gucci, I, there's not even a knockoff version of what the Cowboys are. They're that bad. They're that they are so atrocious, and it is. Let me just say, so freaking enjoyable. Like yeah, they, in they, totality, they, it is so enjoyable to watch this team be so bad. Especially watching, like just all these national media people that love to push the Cowboys, and it's like they just they they can try and spin themselves into any possible way to give us some semblance of excitement it's just not gonna happen it's not gonna happen and i don't even know what our what our intern henry just put in the chat but i know you guys both just left so let's move let's move on before this gets uh, this, this this gets out of control uh headlines coming out of this sunday jake i will let you go first because yours has to do with rookie quarterback to a tongue of Iowa. Wins his first start in Miami. Horseshit. <laughs> That's what you're going to get shoved down your throat for a week. The Tua won his first start. He got baptized on his first play. They go empty, and he decides he's going to hold the ball against Aaron Donald, who swats it out of his hand, and he gets WWE dumpster fire dumped on his head on the first play of the game. It got a little bit better from there, but not really. Four turnovers, a punt return for a touchdown in the first half, and this offense under Tua was so bad, they almost let the Rams back in it. They miss a 48-yarder in the fourth quarter. They get the ball back, and they'd have been going to tie the game. As bad as this was, look, their defense, here's the headline. Miami's defense healthy under Brian Flores with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, legit. Maybe the favorites in the freaking AFC East if they're not playing Tua. Like, this is not the headline. I'm, I'm saying it's my headline tonight because if we're going to shove down our throats all week, they were, he threw for 96 yards. Yeah. It was god awful. It was the the headline coming out of that game was that Jared Goff was atrocious and he just, was, but their defense like they they showed up. Yeah, there, sure. was, there was nowhere to go with the ball. They blitzed them. They got there. Like they stopped the run. 
it was more, I mean, he played awful. He had the turnovers, but like their defense was balling. Yes. This was definitely not a Tua show by any stretch of the imagination. So I really, really look forward to all the people trying to put the comparisons of what Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert have been doing because they've been, they have been everything to their football teams. Let me tell you this. It's not even close. Herbert is the truth. And he ain't even on the level of Joey B. Yeah. Herbert is legit the truth. And you got Joey B like 12 levels above that. Yeah. You took the Bengals without four starting offensive linemen and your $48 million running back and beat the brakes off the freaking Titans. All on you. Buying time. Making plays. Herbert is legit and been playing great. He has one win. Joey B is the freaking quarterback of the Bungles. And is like (laughs) – beyond relevant like they are he's that dude is a whole nother level two ain't even sniffing herbert anytime soon no neither neither one of those guys well my headline was joey b and jame jake just did an excellent job of describing everything that i wanted to describe for for joe burrow 249 yards passing two touchdowns no interceptions over 100 passing rating like he phenomenal most importantly they beat up the Tennessee Titans. Okay. 31 20 final score. So Joey B the headline is just Joey B exclamation point needs nothing else because he's deserving of that being the headline. So good on you, Joey B really appreciating everything that we are seeing from Joe Burrow, because that is not a good roster. That is not a good football team. And he is doing it all on his own, quite frankly. And it is impressive to see it is i'm glad you did that page i need to give my actual headline that was Tua had nothing to do with winning his first start that would be the actual headline yeah Tua, there those are complete opposite situations where you're watching a team the team won in spite of tua and a team won because of joey b like total opposite scenarios Mm -hmm. where and quite frankly the rosters in very different directions. So I, I think that's where, and, and I don't really know what the coaching staff is in Cincinnati. Love my boy, Zach, but like, nah, I don't, I don't know what that is. I have a lot of faith in Brian Flores. I think he's going to be a really good coach, hopefully for a long time. So I, I think there's, there's a lot of discrepancies as far as situations and there Joey B is doing the damn thing for Cincinnati. So good on you, Jamie, what's your headline coming out of week eight? Colts running back by committee, three-headed monster even. Uh, that's what I, that's my headline. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, 11 carries in this game. Jordan Wilkins, 20 carries in this game. Naeem Hines gets eight touches and two touchdowns in the receiving game. I would be concerned as a Jonathan Taylor fantasy owner. Uh, he's now at just above 13 fantasy points per game. That is not inside RB2 territory. So he's officially now in RB3 range in terms of points per game so far this year. I think, well, it might not be like this crazy where Wilkins is getting 20 touches. Uh, I do think this is going to be a split from here on out. And and Jonathan Taylor's had a surprisingly subdued year, as has Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Like, this has been a very weird year for running backs, even beyond injuries. Like, I, I've set back, I've already started looking at my rankings for week nine at running back. And, you know, I've, I've got 50 names written down so far because I'm a lunatic, but it gets really bad really quickly. And like it would even, and when I say before it was like, okay, it was getting bad around 20. It's getting bad at like nine right now. <laughs> like it is getting like, I think I'm going to have Edward Jolaire in my top 10 next week. And I don't love it, but I don't know who behind him to put above him. Yeah. Like it, it, against, I mean, they're playing with Carolina. 
I, I don't know. Like I'm putting guys in RB one territory, the back end right now that have no business being there. They're RB twos, but there just aren't enough guys to put them there. Uh, and just, this has been, it's, I know it's a frustrating experience for a lot. Like Deandre Swift had six carries for one yard today. Uh, you know, so it's all those rookie backs. None of them are really making an impact. The one, the one rookie back making impacts, James Robinson, the undrafted kid that's playing because yep. unfortunately Raquel Armstead's really sick and, and Leonard Fournette got cut. That's why he's playing right now, and he's balling. He has a great matchup against Houston coming up with, fortunately, it looks like maybe the third-string quarterback in that game. But it's been a real rough year for rookie running backs, and it looks like it's only going to get rougher for Jonathan Taylor going forward. Yeah, just to Jamie's point about the names and, and where, the, where, the, where, where we are at this point in the season. This is the top eight okay, for scoring as of today, just out of, coming out of week eight. So Dalvin Cook up at the top, the first two guys you're not going to be surprised by, but everybody else after that is not a person you ever would have had in the top 10. Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Giovanni Bernard, DJ Dallas, Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, Zach Moss, and Jamal Williams. Those were the scoring leaders for running backs coming out of this week. Like that's, that's the point. Like this is this, this version, this is what we have. This is what we've been left with. There's, it's just, it's very, very different. And we knew it was going to be bad because of the injuries and because of preseason, but I don't even think I anticipated this, right? Where you're Aaron Jones and Chris Carson and Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley. I mean, you're talking about pretty much the, the entirety of the superstars of the class have had times where they haven't been playing for the most part. We got Dalvin Cook back, but Alvin Kamara has played and been good, but Chris McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley. I mean, it's, it's Slim Pickens. That's, you've got two guys from the Indianapolis Colts not named Jonathan Taylor that were in the top eight today. That's not what we were expecting going into this season. That is for certain. All right, guys, stud and dud performances coming out of the week. Jake, I'll let you go first. Who is your stud? We just talked about him. Dalvin Cook came back off the injury, came out of the bye. They had a huge win in Green Bay today, and it was all on him. Four touchdowns, 48.6 points. Looked explosive as shit, but more than that, he looked tough as hell. Man, he got some, like, grinded out yards in the second half, fourth quarter. Caught the 50-yard screen for the touchdown and just blew the – it looked like Michael Vick in that playoff game against the Vikings back in the day where he just, like, ran away like he was in fast forward and everybody else was, like, normal motion. That's what it looked like. He was the best player on the field today. Bar none, it wasn't even close. He was absolutely spectacular. And if he's healthy, he's RB1, like, yeah. of all of them right now. Like, he looks by far to be the best dude, if healthy. It's nice to see him come off that tweak groin in, uh, in Seattle a couple weeks ago and have that kind of game. Yeah, a phenomenal performance for Dalvin Cook. was really good to see him. There were a couple of scary moments uh, where you thought he might be banged up throughout this game, and he continued to play. I thought that was really crucial if you're a Dalvin Cook owner and if you're a Vikings fan because they've obviously – this is your guy. He's coming off injury. We know the injury history, and this was – those were some of those – like I'm watching, I'm going, oh, no, not again, right? Not not, not again. And he got up, and he played, and he was tough, and he, and he played through it, so – very, uh, very good performance from Dalvin Cook, obviously, this week. Jamie, your stud performance. So if I were to ask you who would be the wide receiver 16 right now in average fantasy points per game at the midway point, and I would tell you it's a Tennessee Titan, <laughs> you wouldn't have guessed it would be Corey Davis, who is not. having a breakout season in his fifth year after his option was declined. 
had another big game here today, 8-128 and a score. Team high 10 targets. Uh, was even better than that performance. He's now averaging 16.8 fantasy points per game. He has not had a game this year with fewer than 11.9. Like he is a legit wide receiver too right now. That is, looks like at times the top option in that Tennessee offense. He's putting up points every single week where AJ Brown's a little bit more up and down and he got a touchdown today too. He's still great. It's not a commentary on AJ Brown at all. But Corey Davis is really having a spectacular season so far under the radar He's averaging the same amount of points right now as Tyreek Hill. Like that, that is where he is in terms of that ranking right now. And by the way, he's available in two thirds of leagues. Yeah. Or excuse me, sorry, uh, not quite two thirds, but 60% of leagues right now. 60 something percent. Yeah. So you have Tyreek Hill on your waiver wire that's performing every week and has a floor this year of 12 fantasy points just sitting out there. I I think that's going to change after another big week, but. He has been phenomenal. It's been consistent. He was in, he was in my, you know, must starts column. I, I like it. He is a guy that you, you need to add going forward. And if you've been on your bench, you need to start playing him in, in every good matchup. I know the bears are next and it's not a great, they matchup, got a couple brutal matchups coming up, but they're going to have somewhere. to throw it. They're going to have to throw it to win them. You're exactly balls right. And their bracket, somewhere. their bracket covering like, like we talked about, why did Mike Thomas get all these targets last week? They bracket covered AJ Brown. Mm-hmm leaving Corey Davis one-on-one and he's finally matured to be that guy that he can beat single coverage and Derrick Henry is not lighting people up. They have to throw it. Yeah, they have to throw it. And I think Corey Davis was one of those guys. You're obviously, you know, kind of having certain thoughts about what he has been and being disappointed with him. And that has, just hasn't been the case this year. So you got to kind of turn off what you what think you about Devontae Parker. Yeah. Devontae Parker yeah. about halfway through last year, we all went, Oh shit, this looks like a different player. And then he finished up phenomenal. Because finally, the light finally went on. He stayed healthy. He got rid of the drops. This is kind of Corey Davis this year. And look, I was one of those people in the preseason because we like the last three preseasons, Corey Davis's name always comes up and like, oh, maybe this is the year. And I'm like, it's never the year. So far, it looks like this might be the year. If he yeah. stays healthy. I was, I was fairly high on him, but I didn't think this was what we were going to see for multiple weeks. No. We were talking about the same points per game as Tyreek Hill. I thought yeah. he'd be a nice complimentary piece for them, but not, not this. I don't think anybody saw this coming. No, no, I mean, he's he's right around right now, like Tyreek Hill and Tyler Boyd. Like, those, that's the company he is sitting in on a per-game basis right now in fantasy. Like, yeah, again, 60-plus well, percent availability. Would love to go back and look at the ADP difference between Tyler or between uh, Tyreek Hill and Corey Davis when you talk about value and some of the things we preach at the beginning <laughs> of the year. Those are some of those things that matter, uh, a guy that's still available in leagues. Uh, listen, my stud performance, uh, much like what Jamie talked about earlier coming off of his discussion around the Colts running back room, uh, Naeem Hines is a guy that I've plugged and played throughout this year and has for the most part really, really turned out to be a good play for me, especially with all the injuries that have sustained, especially in some of the leagues where you've got Chris Carson, who's had injuries that you've had issues in Aaron Jones. I have Chris Carson, Aaron Jones in one league and, uh, somebody and Nick Chubb, all three of those guys not playing. Like, it's like at, at a certain point, you're like, could you find somebody that's going to actually stay healthy and, and be out there? And today it was DJ Dallas who pl- who was a plug and play over 20 points for Seattle, which was phenomenal. And Travis Homer, who some people picked up and played was a big bust for you this week, but it was DJ Dallas who, who came in that it's more of a one week 
type of thing with Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde both being out. Don't get don't get over <laughs> don't get cute here. Uh, if Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde are playing, that's not going to be the dude. But keep him there. If you're a, if you're a Chris Carson person like I am, you have to have this guy rostered because Carlos Hyde looks like his injury is going to be potentially longer and we don't know what's going on with Chris Carson. So this is a good option for you. You saw him involved in the offense, which is good, but Naeem Hines, that's a longer term one. That's one I like more, more because I've seen it more often. So Naeem Hines, I got, I had two random running backs as my studs this week, Naeem Hines and DJ Dallas, who DJ Dallas is the best DJ name that plays football. I need DJ Dallas like as an actual DJ. Like it's the the best name. It's all I all I hear when I hear his name called as football is like he belongs at a club in in college. Yeah, that's exactly right. I got the DJ the DJs behind the scene happening here. Your dud performances of the week, Jake. Who uh, who's who didn't perform for you this week? Kenny Galladay, and he got hurt, so he didn't come back in this game. But he was getting blanked before that. Xavier Rhodes has been phenomenal. Yes, the same Xavier Rhodes that is now not playing in Minnesota is playing in Indy, and he has been a shutdown corner this year. Look at the guys in the in the category he's with of how good he's been ranked. If you go back and look at Pro Football Focus or any of these people that go look at quarterback or cornerback rankings, he's been spectacular. Galladay was getting wiped out. I thought this Colts, I mean, Jamie, were both, I still got a ton of question marks on this team overall, but I think their defense is pretty good. Darius Leonard coming back made a big difference. But they absolutely killed Galladay and then flip it. Jonathan Taylor, I look, this kid is a great kid. So it's not like he did anything in meetings. He showed up late. He, I, I can't imagine any of that stuff happened that they took all these carries away from him. Coming out of a bye. And he is like nobody on your team. That was the other one that I think just crushed a ton of people. Because this was a phenomenal matchup against Detroit's defense. By the way, Phillip Rivers threw it like 50 times again. I don't, I don't know what is going on in Indy. And that, that's what makes me question everything going on with this team. Uh, but that's my two duds. It, it's a weird, before I get to my, it, it's a, Indy's such a weird team right now because what we thought about them, like right now where they're struggling is their offensive line has been bad, which yeah. I, I, I could not even fathom me saying that sentence six months ago, but their offensive line has been bad. Rivers has been, they're throwing the ball way too much. Again, all these things we didn't think would be an issue. Taylor's been up and down, but that defense has been really good. Leonard coming back today had a huge impact for that defense. And their DBs are playing really well. I mean, Kenny Moore gets beat on one play and then gets a pick six later in the game uh, as revenge. So uh, it's, they're, they're a weird team. Like, I don't know what to make of them right now, but that defense is legit. It wasn't the number one defense in the league. Like their numbers look like through three weeks and played anybody, but they're, they're a good defense and they're a tough matchup for fantasy owners. Like that's, that's going to be a problem for people going forward. Our and, boy uh, T.Y. goes out of this game and yeah, they just I'm out, keep I'm slinging it 50 times. Like, yeah. Yeah. But they kept like, who else are they throwing it to? They yeah. But they kept throwing it. Yeah. yeah. It's nuts. I have no Trade idea for AJ what's Green. going on there. Cowards. <laughs> Should have. Um, <laughs> trade for AJ Green, cowards as the headline. Oh, but seriously, of this like I, know the, I mean, the, tra- the trade, the I guess we are going to have one more podcast before the trade deadline. But there are a few teams that should make some, at least make an effort to get their team better. I know it's not used in the NFL the same to the same extent it is in basketball or hockey or baseball with their deadlines. But there, are, there are a number of players available right now that could actually help these contending teams at with pressing needs or injuries. But we can get into that later. Uh, By the way, guy, I promise you, oh. Stefan Gilmore can pass a physical. Just, just add to your uh, 
Oh, I'm sure. To your to, your, to your point there, people getting traded before the deadline, James. <laughs> but I believe he also put his his house up for sale, so that worked for the last guy to get out of Cincinnati. Um, my dead of the week, and I, I don't know what to do with this long term, but I think it's worth discussing, and it's Lamar Jackson. Uh, 14.82 fantasy points this week. When it's all said and done, he is not going to be a top 12 fantasy quarterback on average points per game once this week comes to an end after Monday Night Football. It's been a weird year for him. I mean, this is one of those ones where you knew regression was coming. You knew the touchdown percentage was not going to be as high as it was, and you knew he wasn't going to run for 1,000 yards. But this is a little bit more than just that. And he doesn't quite – doesn't look as dynamic. Uh, He's still turning the ball over a ton. Like, even today, like where – you know, he rushes for 65 yards. He has a couple touchdowns, but he turns the ball over four times. You know, he fumbles three times, loses two of them, throws two picks. It's, it's the same offense last year, same guys. Like, I know they need more weapons, and I know that you want some other pieces there, but I, he's been very underwhelming this year. Uh, he doesn't have these spike games. He's got like three games north of 25, but none of them above 30. And then the other games are all under 18. Like, for where you got him in fantasy drafts and the price you paid to take him, a lot of times in the middle of the second round, you're not even getting a QB one right now out of him this year. I, I was shocked to see that when I, when I looked at his name coming into the week, I went, wow, like I knew it was not the Lamar Jackson season, but I didn't realize he was this far down. And then he got even, and then he had an even worse performance. I know it wasn't a good matchup, but he's going to be what QB 13, maybe QB 14 in points per game. By the time this week ends, I, that's not what I expected because their schedule hasn't been that brutal. No, he was he was consensus QB one like across the board like it was like he was for for Ooh, fantasy. Jamie and I had Jamie and I had both. Well, yeah, you we had him, we had him too. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but it, amongst everybody else in the fantasy community, Lamar Jackson was number one. Like to be very clear, like it was yeah. we had at least we at least had a discussion. We were like, yes, Patrick Mahomes, going back and forth, but it was a very hype trainy fantasy offseason what do i say what what did i say then and what do i say all the time that you guys laugh at me because i bring it up all the time about off seasons and defenses uh that you have the opportunity to catch up with the quarterback happens all the time you here's the problem you schemed up stuff so well last year Mm -hmm. that he i mean how many guys were beyond wide open when i watch quarterbacks and patrick Mahomes is not playing that good this year he threw five touchdowns today yeah. But when he's throwing a slant and the ball's back here on the back shoulder instead of right there in the front where you can run after the catch, that was Lamar Jackson last year. Led the league in touchdown passes, but the ball was never in a great spot. And you guys know I think he can throw. I said I think he could throw pretty well coming out of college. I think he's gotten better. But the windows are so much tighter this year than they were a year ago. Teams are defending them differently. And they want to win so bad when they're in these tight games against good teams like today that they're just riding him running it. He got the shit beat out of him. Did you guys watch this game? Oh, I did. Oh, yeah. I watched shot the whole game. After, he's sh- not a freaking running back, dude. Like shot yeah. after shot after shot after shot. And then you're going to ask him to go throw to win the game? Yeah, it's not sustainable. You know how hard that is? No, no it's not it's, sustainable. It's, now add in the fact that you have a year on Mark Andrews, who's a receiver, not a tight end. He doesn't even block. He, he ain't blocking anybody. He's not even in the game to block. No. Yeah, Hollywood, Hollywood Brown is a two at best on any other decent team. Yeah. But they don't even have a one or three or a four. Mark Ingram's out. By the way, they miss Marshall Yonda a ton. And their defense is overrated. I've been saying that for weeks. Like, it's all on him. It's kind of like Russell Wilson. It's all on him to play spectacular, over-the-top MVP, MVP football. But he's not capable of it this year because the stuff they schemed up last year was so wide open. They caught everybody off guard. 
and everybody is 40 to 50% more prepared than they were a year ago. And I'm not sure you can make that many adjustments until he throws it better. And he doesn't throw it good enough to throw it into tight windows and then succeed. That is the difference period. Like that's, it was blatantly on display today. And he doesn't have a receiver to make up for the mistakes. Like he doesn't no. have someone that's bailing. He doesn't have anybody to go to that bails him out. He, he it's him. They don't have that, that bubble screen, take an 80 yards guy. Exactly no, right. it, it is a, it's they live and die on Lamar Jackson. And, and, and look, it worked spectacularly last year up until the postseason, And it hasn't worked to that level since. And it's looking. And the reality is, is we look at this team and they had their two biggest tests of the year. They failed. I don't know what to do with that. Like, does it mean they're not a good team? No, of course they're a good team. But is this a team that's going to go win the Super Bowl? No. Not when they continue to lose to every team that is as good or better than them. It's just no, this they don't, is they don't why. Have the for that. No, they don't. And this is why, as much and huge loss today, losing Ronnie Stanley. Okay, mm-hmm. it's huge. big, huge loss for this football team. Uh, I think the the big thing here is. And, and this is going to, we're going to dunk on y'all because we told you, everybody made fun of us talking about Pittsburgh and talking about how it's Big Ben's division. I'm sorry. This is, this is what this is. I have, we have seen decade plus Ben domination. I, we have, we know who Lamar is. Lamar is special in many ways, but you give defenses the opportunity, like Jake says over and over again, but he's right. You give defenses the opportunity to prepare for you. Okay, Mike Tomlin, this defense, they know exactly who you are, Lamar. They know exactly who you are, except on the opposite side of the football now, they have a Hall of Fame quarterback throwing the ball and not Duck Hodges. Okay, so now it's back to normality for you, where you have to try and go up against mano y mano. And I would, trust me, there are hella comments in on Twitter and on Instagram from Ravens fan from everybody in the NFL mocking us oh for i was that a damn moron when i wrote that article oh yeah mm. mocking us for that and I by the way like, if you hmm. want my analysis again of this game 27 24 ben takes over in the fourth quarter and goes to juju when it matters and he has three or four big plays juju didn't have a monster day but he had three or four third down conversions that were absolutely huge by the way slam dunk on your ass because that's one point off of being absolutely perfect for fucking analysis Oh, and by the way, not only did Juju have those catches, he ran hard and took some yes, shots. He yes, he yes, did. He, he knows like, how to play this a, game. He yes. dude that wants to win. I know. I don't know if he's going to be in Pittsburgh long term because of the contract and some of the other stuff. But dude wants to win. Uh, he wants. He, he wants so far. the dirty work, man. That's how you beat that. Whoever wins this game has more guys that want to do the dirty work. Yep. Mm-hmm. They had Claypool do the dirty work. Yep. Connor did the dirty work. Juju did the dirty work. Deontay Johnson got freaking strangled at one point trying to get a first down, but he did the dirty work. Like they all played tougher than the Ravens did and played smarter throughout the game, period. Yep. It was uh it was a phenomenal performance from a lot of those guys. And and Ben did not play well for a lot of this game, right? He had some bad nope. moments in this football game and they still won, right? That's where I'm watching this and I'm going you're not getting the best version of Ben in this game and they still get it done. Like that was, that meant a lot to me while watching this game because I'm going, okay, eventually I know we're going to get a big Ben game, but he doesn't Where'd care they right go now. when it mattered. He had, I listened, he, he was this, he was when, when it, when it counted, he was that dude. Right. Yeah. And, and Juju stepped up in big moments. So I'm glad you shouted that out as well. Speaking of Big Ben, because I know he only started in about a quarter of leagues this week because of the matchup with Baltimore. And I know it hasn't been great fantasy-wise. Like, he's hanging around that, like, QB 20 mark. But the next three weeks, 
at Dallas, home Cincy at Jacksonville. You're like, right. I'm excited. QB one in the, he's QB one in that. He's a QB one in that stretch. Like, yeah. so if you've been holding on to him, like I have, or you've been streaming guys and he's available because odds are if he was a stream guy, people dropped him this week when he played Baltimore to pick up their car, or Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else that didn't have as good of a game. Uh, even as Ben's kind of modest output, those three matchups, they good. Yeah, Look, they're still running much. it too much. They're still trying to figure out exactly what they want to do. But when they have to, in the fourth quarter against Baltimore, a team that's going to blitz your ass, they've got the weapons. And that last drive, they took the lead, the touchdown to Claypool. They didn't run the ball once. It was all on Ben. And it was a lot of dink and dunk. But look, Ebron's coming on a crawl. They got so mm-hmm. many guys now. He doesn't have to light it up with big Pat Mahomes, though. No, he doesn't. He, but he's so good extending the play, knowing what's coming. He has such great touch. Very underrated part of his game. He was not great. I don't know if he's going to be great anymore at all. Like the arm doesn't necessarily look phenomenal, but he's so damn good and he's so between the ears. He's been there and done that. He's going to get you by. He's got a hell of a lot more than that arm than Drew Brees and Philip Rivers do. I'm not saying that, but Ben used to have an absolute hose. He got it done. Yeah, yeah. it's it. It's going to be interesting to pay attention to how how they move forward right this is the only undefeated team left They're, they've got but they haven't fully clicked on offense that's the thing for me that's exciting if you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan is you're going you're winning you're passing all the tests you're getting it done and you're still not fully clicking and I do think this next three game stretch that Jamie just talked about is where there's a big opportunity for Ben to start being Ben in a couple of moments because it's it's okay you got some defenses that you can pick on a little bit Let's go see you pick on them. Like, let's go, let's go see that a little bit more. And I, I anticipate that we'll probably see that as, as we move forward, Jamie, I know you wanted to say something. So go ahead. Well, and if they, he's able to do that one, that would be very interesting because that way they could be 10 and 0 heading into their second game against Baltimore, which would be a really fun experience, which is basically an elimination game for the Ravens at that point for the division. Um, if that plays out in that fashion, regardless of what they do. Uh, and two, you're kind of looking in these games for the Ryan Tannehill 2019 stat lines. Like, I don't think you're going to get a 450 yard three touchdown game from Ben anymore, but I think yeah. you can get a 250 yard three touchdown game from Ben. So I think that's what you're looking for more modest passing totals, but in these matchups where he can maybe get you three passing touchdowns and that's where he's going to get you in that QB one range. Jamie, they, they play who next week? Dallas. Dallas, yeah, I think he could have a 400-yard game in that one. I, I think I could <laughs> I have a 400. I think, I think I could have a 400-yard game in that one. So I'm, you I'm think, not. You think Danucci or Dalton are moving the ball in that defense? The same. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, By I'm, the way, Paige, quick, quick shout out to Mike Tomlin, past Tony Dungy for the most wins as a head coach for a black head coach in NFL history. Huge monumental feat. Tony Dungy's a Hall of Famer. Mike Tomlin still has never had a losing record. So when you go to the fact that he's pretty damn good at complimentary football. So the fact that Ben's not the old Ben, but they run it pretty good. That defenses are still ball hawking, playing all over the place. They figured out their rhythm, I think, over the next three weeks. Whether he has big weeks or not, they're playing really good complimentary football and they figured out who they are. And that they may get to 10 and 0 when it's time to play Baltimore again. If they stay healthy, they're one of the teams to watch out for. I said that they're one of the very few teams that play really good defense, have enough playmakers on offense. And you still have that elite level quarterback when they need to, they can go down that road. Loved Chase Claypool's tweet. Big shout out to him. Losing question mark. Never heard of her. Love it. 
Love it coming out of that game. I'm a big fan of Chase Claypool talking that talk after that big victory against the Baltimore Ravens. Quickly, my dud of the week, Mike Davis, back-to-back eight-point eight point performances. He had an 11-point performance before that against the Bears. Knew that wasn't going to be a good matchup, but they played New Orleans. That was a bad matchup. Kind of allowed it. This past one, Atlanta, you're hoping for more. You didn't get more. I think we can safely say, I know we had a, a nice stretch there where we were like, yeah, Christian McCaffrey, Mike Davis. No, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's Christian McCaffrey is Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis is not Christian McCaffrey. So just as a reminder, uh, Matt rules for all the McCaffrey owners out there, Matt rule did say he's very hopeful that McCaffrey will play this week against the chiefs. That is great news. If you are a McCaffrey owner, cause you weathered the storm with Mike Davis, but this, you saw the best. And this last couple of weeks has been back to reality, right? Which is why he is not starting running back. It's why you're not, it's why Christian McCaffrey is the guy, uh, in Carolina that has the identity. So I, I think there's uh, just a quick reminder that Christian McCaffrey is an absolute stud and I think we've all come back to back to a harsh reality in fantasy football the biggest problem there Paige is Teddy Bridgewater took dink and dunk to a whole nother level Thursday night like him and Drew Brees he came from New Orleans he played there he didn't have a big arm either there was nothing more than five yards down the line of scrimmage the Falcons defense is god awful they put, kind of put the blueprint out there of what you want to do stopping that run but if they're going to throw it that much with Teddy B and they got decent weapons he was god-awful. I mean, hopefully McCaffrey gives him some kind of juice, but I don't know how great he's going to be with that offensive line playing that porous and that dinky dunky dinky. I mean, it was awful. Like, they didn't yeah. take any shots down the field. Yeah, they did not take a whole lot of shots on the field. It wasn't uh, wasn't a great Thursday night performance from anybody there. All right, guys, Monday night football preview. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on the road to play the New York Giants, or going on the road to play the New York Giants. Bucks are a 13-point favorite right now at betonline.ag. Uh, that line has moved. It has become a increasingly greater line for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not too big of a shock. Uh, this is... Uh, this is a matchup between the Bucks and the Giants. There's a little extra juice here, right? A little extra juice considering last year you had the you had the performance by the rookie Danny Dimes. The nickname comes out of that game. How different a year is, right? Like <laughs> how much difference is there between what we saw last year between Tampa and New York and where we are now between these two football teams? It's a lot different scenario. Uh, JPP talking about how they've circled this one. There's a lot, there's a lot here as far as motivation goes for this Buccaneers team. So I don't envision that you're going to see a team that goes to New York and plays down to the level of their opponent. I think they have this one circled and I think this is going to be a pretty ugly football team for the New York giants. Jamie, how do you see this one playing out? So do they want my real pick or should I go like the opposite way, considering that I can't pick a primetime game to save my life. <laughs> so it, it's, it's ridiculous. I believe now I, I went back and looked, I believe I'm, I'm hitting at, I'm hitting more than two thirds on Sunday games, but I'm hitting at 33% on primetime. So Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, that random Tuesday night, I'm hitting at 33%, one out of three on primetime. Which yeah, happens just to be the only games I write about on the site. Yeah, yeah. Just don't pick any of those games anymore. So, so that's but how I don't know what to this. do. Like, I, I think the Bucks we got you, bro. Game. We got you. Let it fly. But we like, got you. We got you I, back. I, every time I pick a team, they get destroyed on, in prime time. So, uh, I, I'm gonna take the Bucks here. They're they're just we talk about teams that are clicking on both sides of the ball, and there are very few of those this year. 
Tampa is one of them. Giants are going to be completely unable to run the football, just like everybody else is unable to run the football. In my start sit column this week, you saw I put like Devonta Freeman, Wayne Gallman, and Robot Tiki Barber in my sit. Like, I don't care who they're thrown <laughs> out there. You're not going to run on the box. So my concern is when you want a one-dimensional Daniel Jones playing from behind, you're going to get the spectacular play because he's going to fight you to the end. But a lot like Carson Wentz, that fighting to the end, a lot of times and more often than not lately, results in some just drive-killing, game-killing mistakes. And you didn't, and their Giants are not going to be able to have any of those, period, if they want to compete in this game. And they're probably going to have multiple ones. Uh, Buccaneers are getting outside of Chris Godwin a lot healthier uh, everywhere else on, on offense. So I, I don't see Tom Brady and company slowing down here. Uh, I think this is going to be a game where both sides of the ball dominate. They should have a good game. They should be able to win this by two touchdowns. You always worry about a backdoor cover when it spreads this high and you got a quarterback that's not going to quit. But uh, I don't, I can't see the Giants doing much on either side of the ball, to be honest with you, in this matchup. Hey, the only thing I'd like to add there is the Giants have been in every game within one score in the second half of every game they played other than San Francisco where they got just dusted. So they're playing teams pretty good. Their defense is like middle of the pack, and they're playing really hard for Joe Judge. All that being said, you know Tom Brady has never forgotten the two Super Bowls he lost to the Giants. His defense damn sure ain't forgot the Danny Dimes nickname. And by the way, they got bumped off primetime last week. This is freaking Monday Night Football in the Big Apple. This is your first chance. You've had the first time in franchise history back-to-back 25-point wins. It's rolling. They want to keep it rolling. I can't imagine. If there's a letdown, it's because the Giants play really well, and they got to just do some stuff to overcome it. I can't imagine anybody takes this game lightly. We'll see how it goes. I mean, the Giants team is really interesting. Like, they, they've played closer games than you think, but this one shouldn't be one of them. Yeah, this, this should not be one of them. The two things I'm most excited about fantasy-wise going into this game is starting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense against Danny, uh, against Daniel Jones, who is uh, fumble-prone, is a nice way to put it. Uh, very excited about that. And two, very excited about starting Scotty Miller in this one because Scotty made the Instagram shout-out. Okay, so let me just tell you something about Tom. When he starts giving me Instagram shout-outs, Giselle's giving him love, too. Just commenting on his stuff. I'm paying attention to this stuff. All of a sudden, he's in the circle of trust here. Okay, Scotty Miller's all of a sudden, he's become part of the circle of trust. So I'm like, oh, Giselle's commenting on Scotty stuff. Uh, he's if he didn't just get married, post. I'd be like looking for a freaking supermodel rolling in with him next week, rolling in Tampa <laughs> Sunday night, with, you know, New Orleans game. It was like Joy Edelman back in the day. He's like, hey, he was like this dude on the team. Yeah. And maybe kind of came, became, that's what Scooter's turned into. I like yeah, it. Yeah, I was the like, way, all right, Scooter. You've been putting some pressure on guys, but you ain't been getting home. You got paid, but it's still a contract year, brother. It's Monday Night Football. I need like four and two fumbles. Like, this is legit. This offensive line is garbage. Yeah, it's bad. Yes. Work. Including Thomas the number four pick. Terrible. Shaq, JPP's been solid. He already said, I'm coming to eat. And the greatest freaking picture I've ever seen is JPP eating like QT gas station food on the hood of his Rolls Royce. <laughs> And I think I think the caption was JPP eats wherever he wants. That is just awesome. <laughs> JPP is gonna eat. Shaq, I need you to show up big time, dude. Yeah, I love that call out, and I totally agree. I think if you're if you're gonna look at one one thing that you'd like to see happen that you haven't really seen as much, you've seen a little. You saw him step up in Denver when he wanted to show up and have a moment. Okay, all right, let's let's step up a little bit more consistently. That's gonna be something you're gonna need to have. Uh, getting to the quarterbacks always going to be a part of this. And as Jake said, my famous garbage, this offensive line is that Andrew it's Thomas, bad. not good. 
Okay. This team does not look good. Their offensive line is not good. And their entire, their entire fan base is tweeting at us angrily, right? Because today we released our mock draft that you should go check out because Joe Marino did an excellent job, but he, he mocked Justin Fields there and half of them are happy about getting a quarterback. The other half are pissed off because they want another tackle. They're like, no, we're not doing that. Andrew, we're already out on Andrew Thomas. We want to go offensive line. And I'm like, uh, New York, you guys are insufferable, man. <laughs> you guys are, you're insufferable and you're never, ever happy, ever Look, happy. Go ahead, New Yorker. It's if, if you're in a spot where you're not taking a quarterback and Sewell <laughs> so drops good. to you and you want to move Thomas to right tackle, fine. But the idea to move on from Andrew Thomas is ridiculous. But if you want to, if you want to do a combination book and move Thomas to tackle, whatever, you've already got poor draft value out of a lot of your picks. But to me, I think the underrated, really excited, just like matchup, the game within the game matchup I want to see is is a renewed rivalry. Mike Evans and James Bradbury. Let's go. Uh, I want to watch that go because right now Bradbury is playing at a pretty high level. Nobody sees it because he's he's as weird as it's to say he's lost in New York, where the is football purgatory right now. But he's having a really good year. Him and him and Mike Evans have had some battles over the years. So I'm really excited to see that renewed this week uh, for a number of reasons. So that's what I'm going to keep my eye on very closely as well. He has been playing really well. Mike's getting the best of this one. Yeah. You mark, I, me, mark me down for that one. I, I think uh, I think we might have ourselves a little Mike Evans game this week. I think we're going to have way, across craziest, the board. Craziest stat ever. And I got to go back and find out exactly where it was. Mike Evans has like seven touchdowns and three games under 40 degrees. Interesting. Like apparently, apparently he plays insanely phenomenal when the Bucks once a year play in under forty degrees. I don't know what it was. I saw somebody tweet it the other day, and it was somebody with a check mark, and I was like, "That's pretty cool." Because I know Tom Brady's showing up. It's supposed to be about thirty-five and fairly calm, and no. Oh, he's hyped you know, for that. No, no, he's per- like... no, no particip- precipitation. But like, if that's the truth, and that's a that's a stat, Mike. I think Mike's going off either way. But if he plays good in cold weather, I expect him to have a big night. Good on you, Mike. Florida boy being able to go play in the in the in football weather. I like that stat. That makes me. I'm already team Mike Evans, but that makes me like him even more. Let's finish up here with Bet Online put out their way too early Week Nine opening lines. Right, so where we are looking at next week, uh, going into Week Nine, where the where the odds are, and I asked, I tasked the guys with. Just looking at the line, seeing if they liked anything, anything stuck out to them. So we've got a couple of things here. Uh, Jake, I'll let you go first. What stuck out to you from the NFL Week 9 opening lines? The Las Vegas Raiders are leaving their brand-new empty stadium and going to L.A. to play the Chargers in their brand-new empty stadium, and they're getting a point and a half. There might be 800 yards of passing offense in this game, (laughs) but the Raiders go on more long, sustained drives than anybody in the league. I think they win this game. I think Derek Carr has a big game. They are pretty good. Now, their secondary is weak. I think Herbert has a big week, but that hasn't been relating to wins. So if you're telling me I'm getting points and the Raiders, I'm, I'm on board with that next week. We'll see how that yeah. changes, but that's the first one that jumped out to me. I like that. I like that a lot. And just, just to point out how Justin Herbert, and he's been excellent but how bad this team is. And I really, at some point we're going to have to talk about coaching there because I like Anthony Lynn a lot, but this, this, this stat is pretty damning teams when leading by 17 points or more this season, entering Sunday night football, the chargers, they are Oh, and three, all other teams in the NFL, 52 and four. That is atrocious that you can lead by 17, three times and, and have losses in those football games. That's, 
That is not good for those counting at home. It's not good. Does not look good for Gus Bradley. No, it does not. Yeah, it does not look good for Gus Bradley. Jamie, what stuck out to you uh, from Bet Online's Week Nine odds? Couple things. One of them that the Houston Texans. I know they're on the road, but they're not even a full touchdown favorites against Jake Luton or Mike Lennon. Stop it. Like I, I know Houston's not a good football team, but they're gonna play Mike Glennon. <laughs> oh, Mike I still Glennon. think the stash is gonna come out with a cast and throw for freaking two eighty. Uh, stash for the cast is better than Mike Glennon. Yes, accurate. If Mike Glennon unless is it's a, starting, unless it's in- like a neck measuring contest. Mike Glennon oh is not going God. to win any competition here, or Jake Luton, or whoever they end up starting this week. Um, th- this oh, yeah. line, yeah, it's it's not enough. Like I know Houston's not a good football team, and they might not have all the pieces for this team by the time this game gets played. By the way, keep an eye on that too for some of these teams. I would not bet too much early in the week because I would feel a little bit different if Will Fuller, let's say, is in Green Bay and not in Houston by the time this game is played. Uh, but so I would be careful throwing around too much money on Monday or Tuesday before 4 p.m. Eastern. Uh, but right now, as it looks, I Jacksonville does not know. Like Houston, if Houston can't win that game by a touchdown with Mike Glennon as the starter, just blow the whole team up. We're done. Who is that? Play the rest one, of the one, one more on. time, Jamie. Who, who's starting? Mike Michael Glennon, who's been stealing money in the stealing. NFL for years stealing now. Money. Stealing, stealing money. Stealing money. I would like to go back. If I could find, there is a time where I was working. Jamie and I used to work together at the ESPN affiliate out here in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. At Arizona sports where there is a prominent, prominent radio host that was telling us that Mike freaking Glennon was the future of the Arizona Cardinals and mother of God, could you have been any more wrong? It is impossible to be that freaking wrong about a quarterback. Good God, Mike Lennon, I, as somebody who had to invest a tenth of my energy because he was on the Bears towards him, I can tell you the definition of garbage in the dictionary right next to it, Mike Lennon. Okay. Don't ever uh, want to hear about it. Comma Nick Foles. Comma Nick, comma Nick Foles. Might not be to just I'm a Bears quarterback. Comma, comma any Bears quarterback. Comma the entirety of the Bears organization uh, as quarterbacks. God. Okay. Um, Jamie, you had another, yeah, you had another line sorry. that you liked. The last one I liked was Washington minus three uh, at home against the Giants. Giants coming off of a short week. Probably I imagine they're going to feel a little bit beat up after this Tampa Bay game. Uh, Washington's defense is playing at a pretty high level. We'll see if Ryan Kerrigan is still there by the time this game is played, but the defense is playing pretty well right now across the board, including in their secondary, which was not their strength. The front seven was the strength we talked about. Uh, and I love what I saw from Antonio Gibson last week there. They're coming off a bye, So they've got two weeks. The giants got a short week. Like that's another advantage. Ron Rivera, uh, just great story. We already talked about it, but I'm sure he had even more time now to dedicate to game planning this week, not having to go through all those cancer treatments that he's been dealing with all year and still coaching. Uh, I like, I think Washington should be more than just getting the extra hook here as home favorites. I think they should be like five, five and a half point favorites in this game that are right now at three and a half. All right. I like it, Jamie, the way too early look at week nine odds, uh, courtesy of betonline.ag. You can check those out over there. Final thoughts, guys. We've reached the end of the podcast. We all know what Jake's looking forward to. I uh, got Tampa Bay on Monday night football. I'll let you kick things off. Your final thoughts, Jake. I, we went this whole show without talking about what happened in Buffalo. 
the Bills, I said, if not now, when? And you kind of half-ass showed up and you won by three in some ugly weather. But the Patriots have now lost four straight and Superman scam fumbled the game away at the end. Can we stop making excuses for him and the Patriots? And when the Patriots trade all their players in the next two days, because they've now lost four straight, please, God, don't tell me this was Bill's plan all along. Like, I, I don't want to hear the narrative ESPN. I, I'm, not, I I'm, not going, I'm not going there. Oh, no. Like he wanted to lose. He, he knew Cam would oh, be this no. bad after Cam was going to win the MVP in weeks one and two. Mm-hmm. If Cam was going to be this bad. We can't win a game. We'll trade everybody. We'll rebuild and we're going to tank for Trevor. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear it. Some idiot asshole at ESPN is going to have a producer <laughs> there saying, if you want your job and you want to get paid next week, you got to run with this bullshit narrative. I, I'm, I'm not here for it. By the way, Buffalo, next on first I'm not take. sure you're any good because your defense did. Yeah, exactly. Next on first <laughs> Buffalo's defense cannot stop the run. And they made Cam look like he could throw again for a little while in 30 mile an hour wins. Buffalo has some issues, but they got it done. If not now, when like you didn't step up and knock your big brother out, you might've like jumped off the railing on the freaking, like coming down the stairs and like choked him out. Yeah. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure you want him to get up either. Like it wasn't like you finally got big enough to knock the big brother out kind of thing, but they won. So good on them. The Patriots are awful. Yeah. It's, it's funny how the Bill Belichick smarter than everybody in the league, greatest GM combo Look, Bill is of all time. Phenomenal. Bill's phenomenal. Coaching. His record is, is what it At is. Coaching. And the, and the GM is average, whatever. Yes. Greatest coach of all time. But don't make this shit up that that's the case. No. And then don't tell me that he's so competitive. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be absolute just insanity what comes out of ESPN after they trade everybody by Tuesday. No, you, you said it exactly how it's going to be. They're going to spin what we saw coming into the season, which was – they took they they made the best offseason move they got mvp the history Cam. of the nfl they yeah, for this oh, price that's the greatest thing that's ever happened in oh, yeah. so much smarter than everybody else to then now turn around less than two months later and say no 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 this was actually all part of a greater plan to tank for trevor no it was not stop full stop on everything that you are saying and the jets still exist so calm yourself with the tank for Trevor stuff. Cause you still got some room to try and catch up with them, but you do play them. So let's see what the tanking let's see. Let's see who out tanks each other. Could be very interesting down the stretch. Jamie, your final thoughts. We're talking about another team that's disappointing defensively that we haven't talked about yet. And that's the green Bay Packers uh, who let Dalvin cook just run all over them. Now allowed 86 points in the last three weeks, 132 in the last five. And they've lost two of the last three now. Um, this is a team that has, we knew they were flawed on defense, but this was, this was something else today. I mean, they got beat up. I mean, every single time Dalvin cook touched the ball in this game, he was beating them up, whether it was as a receiver, as a running back, it, it, this was, this was rough. And I, I don't know what the Packers would do to correct this problem. Uh, of the Smith brothers, only one of them showed up to play this year. I don't know where Preston Smith's been. Um, it's been two rookie middle linebackers look terrible. Yeah. It's, it's rough right now, uh, on that defense. And I'm a little surprised. I mean, look, Aaron Rodgers had a good game, but I'm a little surprised. He only put up 22 with three of the top four DBs for Minnesota down and a fourth one, leaving with a scary injury early in this game. And you still only put up 22. I was a little weird, even without Aaron Jones. Uh, I, I'm just, this Packers team is, I don't know what to do with them. Like I, 
they're not like they're not quite as stark in their contrast as Seattle is on on each side of the ball. But this is what kind of goes back to like I don't know where the true like contenders are because when we were thinking about this a year ago we were pretty able to easily identify that Kansas City and Baltimore were going to be the big players maybe somebody would come up and catch them maybe somebody could come out of the NFC and give them a run in the Super Bowl but we were pretty damn sure like either Casey or Baltimore was at least going to get the Super Bowl like there was no way one of them weren't going to get there if everybody stayed healthy this year there isn't that team and like the NFC every single week is feels like it's just, it's this topsy turvy of the teams you think you like. Then they come out next week and they look terrible. Green Bay's got a quick turnaround here. They play on Thursday night against San Francisco who would, who might not have Kittle probably is not going to have Debo Samuel probably won't have Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert. Uh, it's, this is one of those, will, will they bounce back for this game? Will they struggle in that? Like, cause all of a sudden it's just like that division. I mean, they're lucky the bears lost today, but that division doesn't look that great. Now you look at the NFC, like, Division we is like exactly what I thought it was, though. That's exactly what we said. Exactly what ten and ten and six and win the division. The Bears be eight and eight, nine and seven, be right behind them. Although yep. the Bears started better than that, so they got a chance to yeah. be right there with them. But like you look at the NFC right now, where like Tampa Bay, New Orleans. I mean, like, like if you had to, let's take the NFC South out of the equation. Let's take those top two teams. Would you? feel comfortable betting on anybody else in the NFC to come out of it? Like, do you feel that confident in the Packers or even Seattle or Arizona or the Rams or like, this just feels like it's a division of a lot of like pretty good teams and excuse me, a conference of a lot of pretty good teams mm-hmm. and just like no major contenders, like outside of, I, I mean, I would put Tampa Bay in the Super Bowl contender column. I know everyone's going to call us homers for that, but they're how clicking on not? both sides of the ball. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know how you could, I mean, but yeah, you can't be a homer for that. Outside of them, they're good teams. There's good teams that can win on any given day, but there's no great team. No, I think this, like, there's no this, great number two. No, I think this goes to the greater kind of conversation around the whole league this year, right? The the, the best thing about the NFL is that there there can always be this le- bat, worst to first. There's always the first to worst. There's always like there's always this turnaround that happens so quickly. But this year, more than I can remember in, in recent years, the, there's not this like have and have nots as much as there, as there have been in the past. And there isn't a team like Baltimore that was just destroying people week in and week out. The closest thing we've seen to that really is Tampa Bay. I, I mean, that's, that's not a Homer take. That's just the, the truth. Weeks, yeah. the, the last couple of weeks you've seen Tampa Bay take care of very good opponents and dismantle them. Like you're talking about the high flying number one offense in the NFL, green Bay gets smacked in the mouth. They go on the road and play the Raiders. I mean, that is really the only team because the chiefs have been beatable. The chiefs just lost to the Raiders like that. That team hasn't, that team put up big time points on Baltimore, but they've struggled against the Chargers. Steelers are, Steelers are definitely, the, the Steelers are definitely beatable. They got their flaws. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, I mean, Kansas the, city what, and them would be interesting. What the Titans team, are from the Titans are frauds. Like what team in either conference do you look at and go, that team cannot be beat. I don't, I mean, the team to me, and I don't think it's a homer take. I think it's just the truth. The team that looks the best right now, gun to my head is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's just, that's just the truth. If they win big tomorrow night, and then you got another big brother, little brother situation next weekend. On Sunday night football. They got to, they can win, they can get where they need to get. But you got another primetime game at home against the Saints. You'd be coming off three straight monster wins, hopefully. 
it's time to hit big brother in the mouth and knock them out. The Saints yeah. team does not look like they're on par with what the Bucks are doing. It, but it's time to knock big brother out. Yeah. Like it's it's yep. another one of those situations. If they do that, and now you're sitting at seven and two with the Rams on Monday night, the next week, they should be favored again before you play Kansas city. Now you're starting to look at, they could be the number one seed of the NFC. Yeah. Gotta give them the old Javon Wims one, two, um, two <laughs> quick points I want to make. I know we're running along, but the two last points I want to make here of one, we would be looking at this Buccaneers team complete. I should say we, the collective, we would be looking a lot differently if they didn't have that loss to the bears, that, that, that loss to the bears gave people pause because with week one, all the stuff that went down with week one, that's right. You can, you can write that one off and they've been great outside of that bears game since then. So that would be a whole different scenario. They win that game and they're being talked about as the best team in the league Two, I know we spent all this time on Philly and all this time on Dallas, but if things play out the way I expect them to the team leading the NFC East, when we sit here seven days from today, it's going to be the Washington football team. Yeah. Cause Philly's on by if Washington beats, beats the giants, they're in first place. Yeah. Good on Ron Rivera, man. Let's roll. Like, listen, um, not a two-team race for that terrible, terrible division. And it no. is a three-team race. And I, I it's a three-team race. I'm not going to even pretend the Giants are even there. But it's a three-team no. race. I think Washington can hey, win it. Like the, the Giants think they're in it. I mean, that's one of the points. If you're a Bucs fan and you're one of you're one of these players, don't think they don't sit there and go, man, we ain't played that good, but we've been in every game. But the damn division's right there. Like, would they think yeah. they can? Well, statistically, everybody's in it. Statistically, yeah. none of them deserve to be only in a it. game and a half between them. No, they should they should all be banished from being. I wonder if there's the ever been a 14 point dog at home in the first round of the playoffs because whoever the NFC wins the NFC East is going to be a 14 point dog in the playoffs. I have to, Probably. I'd have to go uh, in the first round, I have to go look. I met yeah. uh, that, that would be at interesting home. at home. No, yeah, last so, year, at home. so division yeah, not winner, at home, yeah, not at home. home. No, not at home. I was going to say last year, I remember the Saints Vikings in week one. Of the postseason last year was a pretty big point spread. I want to, I don't think it was 14, but I think it was 11. Like it was a pretty big point spread and the Saints lost, right? But they, that was not a, that was not that scenario. So, um, I don't know. It would be, be it, it will be very, very, very interesting. Uh, my final thoughts are much. Jamie took most of what I was going to talk about because I wasn't going to talk about Minnesota and Green Bay. Uh, but the, the thing that I noticed, right? And I'm paying attention to this one, obviously, very closely. This division is exactly who I thought it was, period. Okay, They're exactly nobody in this team. Nobody in this division is head and shoulders above anybody else, period. Like that's that's is it. And anybody in that division can compete week in and week out. Stafford, Viking, they're, they're all going to compete with whomever they play. And when they play each other, they're especially going to compete with each other because that's what this division is. It's, it's always been that way. But the thing that I noticed, right, is we talked about the FU tour, right, with Aaron Rodgers. And that has kind of, since the, the knockout punch by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the FU tour has pretty much gone away, right? We haven't, haven't been discussing that very much. But what I noticed today and what I noticed last week is a lot of the Aaron Rodgers, obviously it's the Devonte Adams show, but there are many throws that are perfect that are dropped. Okay. Many, many throws today in this game, many throws where him and the receiver are not on the same page Are you watching and it's not, you're watching it and you're going, Hmm, that's very interesting. Then there was this moment where him and Adam Thielen were, were discussing whatever they were discussing for a long period of time, right? They're sitting on the sidelines and I'm sitting there laughing to myself going, Oh, I bet Aaron Rodgers wishes he had himself an Adam Thielen. 
right? Like I'm sitting there, sitting there thinking about how absolutely stupid Green Bay still is. Like this is, this was the point. I'm watching this and I'm going, you have Devontae Adams and nothing else. And you are so stupid for what you did because you got away with it for a little while. But now you can tell, you can tell that they don't have anybody else. And you had the opportunity to give Aaron Rodgers more weapons and you didn't do it. And now you're trying to get somebody that you're going to have to give up draft capital for like Will Fuller. So you're going to end up having to having to give up something to get this. And Will Fuller is, I don't think the answer, you could have had somebody excellent coming out of the draft and you chose not to. And I think it was glaringly obvious. If you watch that, that game today from beginning to end, if you're a Packers fan, you were infuriated because there were multiple times where Aaron Rodgers put absolute beautiful passes on the money that were dropped because they just don't have the guys. They don't. And that was, that was apparent today. And also Jamal Williams, as much as we were, everyone was laughing at him towards the end of the game. If you watch that one, he wasn't lined up towards the end and Aaron Rodgers had to yell at him about 17 times to get on the line. Don't anticipate that when Aaron Jones comes back, that Jamal Williams is going to get a whole lot of time because I think that that Aaron Rodgers was not happy at the end of this football game. So that's final thoughts on somebody who's watched the division very closely. Uh, I'm enjoying the fact that green Bay didn't draft a wide receiver. So thank you very much. Green Bay continue, continue to be stupid like that. And, and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll revisit that. I, I think it's going to come up a lot as we continue on throughout this season, Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media at Arians NFL on Instagram and Jake B Arians on Twitter, Jamie, how can everybody follow you? You find me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram. You can follow the show at TDN Fantasy on Twitter, and you can check out everything that we're doing on the draftnetwork.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.